0: and an indó the Feelings. It was on end of chacht 2 in the stage 1. And I wasMakeTuneCity an 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 a Skilti Gurfader the Wintertill. ernenBirdInboard She was very
1: canted by supporting Karen сказал defend She was also in agreement with verified first two letters she
0: Please be advised that today's podcast contains content that some listeners may find distressing. Today on the Indo-Daily, justice for Santina.
1: It was clumps of her hair had been pulled out. There was a clump of hair on the floor. There was also a clump of hair on the couch near where Santina was on the ground. On the couch asleep was Karen Harrington.
0: Today we remember Santina Coley an innocent little two-year-old girl who was murdered in a brutal act that was both cruel and callous. Her killer, Karen Harrington, has been jailed for life. Here's the words from her mother, Bridget O'Donoghue's victim impact statement following the trial on Monday. I continuously ask myself, how could someone be so cruel to a two-year-old? A soft and gentle soul Just how could you hurt a baby like this? I wonder, was she looking for me in those last moments? What was Santina thinking and feeling during her terrible death? When I asked to see her, she was put in my arms and I could not believe the condition of her. She was covered in bruises from head to toe. Her hands were cold and she was so pale. My last memory of Santina was her hugging and squeezing me and not wanting to leave me. I regret leaving her so much that day. I wish I could go back in time. I'm Siobhan McGuire and I'm joined today by Irish Independent Southern correspondent, Ralph Regal, who covered the trial, which also happened to run on May 6th on what would have been, what should have been, Santina's fifth birthday. Ralph, can you tell me about the court case and, in particular, what happened on Monday?
1: Yeah, it was it was the end of a very harrowing trial. I mean, Mr Justice Michael McGrath, who was the the the, the, the supervising judge, commented on just how harrowing some of the evidence was for the jury of seven men and four women. It was also commented on by, by the prosecutor, Sean Gillan, Senior Counsel, and even by the Defence Counsel, Brendan Graham, a senior counsel, he as he said, look, that, that it was, you know, an awful crime, that, that there was some elements of, of the evidence were quite horrific and very, very difficult to listen to. So essentially what we had yesterday um, on the, it, it was after, four, it was in the fourth week of the trial, which had opened on April the 25th. Uh, the jury came back after four hours and 46 minutes of deliberations. Now, the deliberations had started on Friday. Uh, They were suspended for the weekend and the jury resumed their deliberations at 11 o'clock on Monday morning. And they came back in the afternoon with a unanimous guilty verdict that Karen Harrington, a 38-year-old from Lakelands Crescent in Mahon in Cork, that she was guilty of the murder of Santina Cawley, a two-year-old girl, in the early hours of July the 5th, um, 2019, at her apartment at Elderwood uh, Park just off the Borina Manor Road in Cork City, not that very far from um, Christie Ring Park. If people aren't familiar with Cork, that's the general area of the, the South City Centre that you're talking about. Karen Harrington was completely emotionless and um, expressionless. She kept staring at the judge as the, um, the the issue paper was handed over and confirmed that she had been found guilty. Of course, a, a conviction uh, for murder in Ireland covers a ma- carries a mandatory life sentence. And instead of the sentencing hearing being, being adjourned to another date, it was agreed both between Mr Gallan and Mr Grehan that it would proceed to sentencing after a very brief, brief break. That happened and there were victim impact statements read out on behalf of Michael Cawley, who was Santina's father, and Bridget O'Donoghue, who was her mother. And they were very, very emotion-packed statements about the circumstances in which Santina lost her life and the anguish that both her parents have suffered as a result of the specific uh, manner of her death and the circumstances of that. As she received her life sentence, Karen Harrington didn't react. There was no statement. There was no tears. And the only um, gesture that she made was that when the judge was told that she had spent eight days in custody when she was arrested by Gardy back in 2019, he allowed that those eight days should be taken into account in terms of the calculation and assessment of the life sentence. And when he did that, Karen Harrington gave him a brief bow with a nod of her head and then she was led away by prison officers to begin her life sentence.
0: And tell me, Ralph, because this was a fairly harrowing trial and, you know, we're both journalists and I don't envy you having to cover something like this because... I don't know how one would sleep at night after hearing such, such horrible accounts of what happened to that gorgeous little girl. Was there a reaction um, in court at the verdict?
1: There was. I mean, there was incredible emotion uh, within within members of the, of the family of Santina. This had been a very, very difficult experience for them. In quite graphic detail, we heard of the injuries suffered by this little girl the circumstances of her last hours, which were also quite difficult. And I suppose probably the hardest thing was that the terror she must have felt when she was left entrusted to the care of Karen Harrington for two hours. I suppose it's important to explain the background. Basically, what had happened was that Michael Cawley and Bridget O'Donoghue, they had five children, but they separated in 2018. In December of 2018, Michael Cawley began a relationship with Karen Harrington. And of course, they were involved in this relationship for about probably eight months, during which time Michael Cawley had care of Santina, who was the youngest of the five children he had with his wife, Bridget. And on occasions, now Michael Cauley had an apartment at Grattan Street in Cork, but he would often stay over at his girlfriend Karen Harrington's apartment in the Elderwood Complex. And there were occasions when Santina would stay over with him. So on this occasion, what had happened was on July the 4th, groups had been socializing together. It was a particularly hot period of of, of weather. And Karen Harrington had been socializing with a friend who lived within the Elderwood complex, uh, Martina Higgins. They'd gone to the Atlantic Pond. They had consumed some alcohol. They had smoked cannabis. And they then met up with Michael Cauley, who was with Santina. He had just been doing some shopping with Santina. He met up with the the, the two ladies and they all returned to the Elderwood Complex. And they went to number 30 within the complex, which is where Martina Higgins lived with her partner, Eric Okanala. This was late on the evening of July the 4th. And they commenced a socialising or a drinking session, which continued into the early hours of the morning. Now, Mr Okanala was not drinking and Michael Cauley was. Santina was there playing with one of Martina Higgins's children. And at 1.30 in the morning, uh, there was a row between Michael Cawley and Karen Harrington. Now, during that, the row was sparked by the fact that um, Michael Cawley wanted a Limerick-based cousin who was in Cork to come to the complex. And this was objected to both by his girlfriend, Karen Harrington, and by Martina Higgins in whose apartment that they were. The row between Michael Cawley and Karen Harrington got quite heated. And there was multiple um, witnesses who said that um, Mr. Cawley accused Karen Harrington of being a prostitute, of associating with foreigners. She left the apartment at 1.30 a.m. in the morning in a very distressed condition. Mr. Cawley continued to drink in the complex. Santina was was playing with um, the, the other child at this stage. And at just at three o'clock in the morning, Eric O'Connor had had enough. He was not drinking. He felt the drinking session should be brought to a halt. He said this to his partner, Martina Higgins, and essentially told Michael Colley to go. Now, Michael Cauley objected. There was a row between himself and Eric O'Connor verbals. And Mr. O'Connor said at that point that if Michael Colley didn't go, he would call the guardie. So just after three o'clock in the morning, Michael Colley returned to the apartment of Karen Harrington with Santina Cauley. He was in the apartment for just a matter of minutes. He left, leaving Santina Colley behind. He went to look for his lost phone back in the apartment he had just left uh, of Martina Higgins and Eric Canala. He was unable to get his phone. And at that point, he decided to walk into Cork City Centre. So he was gone from the complex between 3.10am and he returned to Elderwood at 5.11am. And during that period of time, Santina was alone with Karen Harrington in her apartment. And I suppose the two most pertinent things to say is that Michael Cawley's movements around Cork City Centre, him leaving Elderwood, walking into Cork City Centre, his movements around the City Centre, and then his return to Elderwood was caught on multiple CCTV cameras. The second part of that is that all of the movements into and out of Karen Harrington's apartment during the same period of time was caught by CCTV cameras and the only person the Guardi were able to show in evidence who was with Santina during those critical two hours was Karen Harrington.
0: Ralph, let's talk about uh, Santina. We have those uh, gorgeous pictures of this beautiful little red-haired child, little angelic smile on her face. And we then find out she had the most horrific, horrible death you could. You can't even imagine. You can't even think about something like that happening, a little child, a little two-year-old. Can you talk us through what followed? And I'm just going to flag again for people listening in that this is so unpleasant and really hard to hear.
1: I think that's what makes... circumstances of Santina's death all the more difficult to comprehend and understand because no child should die in these circumstances. We're in a society that is very protective of children and you can see people almost physically wince even at the thought of a child being, being hurt or being injured or being attacked. Now in this case Santina was a beautiful little girl. She had curly red hair, an angelic face, Very much reminiscent of Annie, the famous um, image that you'd get from theatre plays and films over the years. Now, she had suffered a broken leg sometime before this, and the broken leg had impeded her movements. The trial heard that Santina tended to move with what you'd call a bum shuffle, that she would slide herself along the ground. Both her mother, Bridget, and her father, Michael, described her as a very cute child, very clever. She knew the names of all of the Teletubbies. She loved being in company. She was a very happy child, loved um, socializing, loved being with people. And unfortunately, in those hours before her death, the, the evidence that was given by a man called Dylan Olney, who lived in the apartment next to Karen Harrington, was that he was creeped out by the behavior of Karen Harrington in the early hours of July the 5th. Karen Harrington was roaring. She was screaming and she was repeatedly opening and slamming closed the sliding door on her apartment. She was shouting out that everyone in the complex should wake the F up. She was roaring at a neighbour, daring them to call the Gardaí. And I suppose most concerning, sometime after that, Mr. Olney told the trial that he heard the sound of a child crying within apartment number 26, the home of Karen Harrington. And this concerned him. His concern grew when he heard what he thought was a female voice mocking and taunting the child. And he said the mocking and taunting seemed to make the child's crying get worse and worse. And what we know is that he called the Gardaí. Gardaí arrived to number 26 a couple of minutes before 5am on July the 5th. But the apartment was by this stage dark and quiet. There was no answer to the door. And I suppose quite ominously, Mr. Olney said, who had let the guardian into the Elderwood complex and brought them to the apartment, he said there was dead silence from within. He said you could have heard an, a pin drop. Just minutes later at 5.11am, Michael Cawley arrived back to the scene. He was completely oblivious to anything that had happened. But he met Mr. Olney before he went into the apartment. And Mr. Olney said to him, look, the woman in that apartment has gone mad. Is that your baby that's in there? And Mr. Cawley said that he assumed it was just that, that Santina might have been crying over being hungry or crying over having her nappy changed or something. But he said that when he opened the door and went into the apartment, he was greeted by a scene of total horror. Little Santina was lying naked on a dirty and filthy duvet on the floor. He noticed that there was clumps of her hair had been pulled out. There was a clump of hair on the floor. There was also a clump of hair on the couch near where Santina was on the ground. On the couch asleep was Karen Harrington. Michael Colley said he went over. He pulled the blanket back from Santina's face and he noticed there was basically one of her eyes was half open, one of her eyes was closed. He noticed that there appeared to be blood around her mouth and she was completely unresponsive. Now, he woke Karen Harrington and said, what's happened to my baby? What's happened to my baby? At which point there was an exchange between them and Karen Harrington fled from the complex. Now, in later evidence to the trial, we heard that Karen Harrington had run barefoot from Elderwood all the way to Blackrock where she went to a friend's house and after chatting with the friend, the friend drove her back to Elderwood. But for Santina, unfortunately, uh, the injuries that she had suffered were unrecoverable. The alarm was raised. Mr. Cawley was in a very distressed and distraught condition at the complex. Guardy arrived, paramedics arrived. I mean, there were incredible efforts by both Guardy and paramedics to try and stabilise Santina's condition. She was rushed by ambulance to Cork University Hospital. A paediatric consultant was alerted and rushed to the hospital. But unfortunately, despite all of those life-saving efforts, the diagnosis was that Santina had suffered such devastating injuries that there could be no recovery from it. So Santina, life-saving activities were stopped shortly before 9 a.m. And Santina was placed in the arms of her mother, Bridget, who had rushed to the hospital. And at 9.20 a.m. in the morning, Santina was pronounced dead. Bridget said when she had asked to hold her daughter, she was appalled by the injuries that she had suffered. She couldn't believe there didn't seem to be a part of the child's body that wasn't bruised and in evidence to the 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 murder trial, Dr. Margaret bolster, the assistant state pathologist, essentially said that there were fifty four separate sorry fifty three separate injuries there were forty nine external injuries to the little girl, and there were four internal injuries. Now, the most severe of those was a complex skull fracture, and such was the nature of that skull fracture that an entire 10-centimeter portion of Santina's skull had been displaced. She had suffered a traumatic brain injury, which was essentially unrecoverable. She had also suffered a severe injury to her spinal cord, where she was bleeding both around the spinal cord and into the spinal cord. Several of her ribs were broken. There was a fracture to her arm which had actually fragmented near the femur joint, sorry, to the humerus joint. There was a fracture to her leg where the, the, the fracture had again fragmented near the femur. And the evidence that was given was that in almost every single portion of the child's body there were bruises and abrasions. And Dr. Bolster made the point that number one, those injuries were not accidental they wouldn't have been suffered as part of the normal rough and tumble of child's play. And she also opined that the injuries were consistent with Santina having been struck off something rather than Santina having been struck with something. gardy also conducted an analysis of the clothing at the scene, and they found that there were tear marks on Santina's pink t-shirt. So it appeared as if the t-shirt had been pulled off the child. And her nappy was caught within her leggings, so it looked as if her leggings had been forcibly pulled from the child. And as I said, when she was discovered, she was in an unresponsive state, lying naked on a, a, a filthy duvet. Um, several um, paramedics and guardie commented that the first thing they noticed when they came into that apartment was that there was a very, very strong smell of urine.
0: Oh, my goodness. I mean, Ralph, listening back to all of that, I mean, it absolutely breaks your heart. And I know that some questions were raised through this uh, trial in relation to kind of um, moral and ethical questions. But fundamentally, this was a case of murder.
1: Yes, it was. And I mean, the point that was made by Sean Gallan, the prosecutor, in his closing argument, this isn't a morality play. This isn't a discussion of, you know, drinking habits. It's not a discussion of children being kept up late. What this was all about was what had happened to Santina. And this child was subjected to a prolonged and violent assault where she suffered multiple injuries and injuries that were so severe that they were completely unrecoverable. There was nothing that doctors could basically do to save this little girl. Such was the traumatic nature of the injuries that she had suffered. And I think it's also important to point out that the CCTV footage was critical in in clarifying the events of the timeline involved, so that between 3.10 in the morning and 5.11 in the morning, when Santina was alone in this apartment with Karen Harrington, the only person who exited and entered that apartment in that period was Karen Harrington, and the child was inside. And the CCTV footage Um, By the way, that was compiled, analysed and processed in a PowerPoint presentation by a Garda team. And there was multiple tributes to the Garda for the meticulous nature in which they compiled the CCTV and the forensic evidence. And the same team that was involved in this were also involved in several very high profile murder cases in Dublin, including the Graham Dwyer case. And such was the meticulous nature of the CCTV analysis that they were able to trace Michael Cawley around Cork City Centre, and show that the only person who entered and exited the apartment at that precise time where the neighbour said he heard the child crying was Karen Harrington. And throughout the trial, Karen Harrington maintained her innocence, but she could offer absolutely no explanation as regards how Santina got injured or who might be responsible for those injuries if she wasn't. Several of her interviews um, after her arrest, she was arrested on July the 8th, 2019. It was questioned at Grona Braher Garda Station. Those interviews were actually videotaped. And the videotape of the, fine, the fifth and final interview was played to the jury. And some parts of it were extremely emotional. Um, Karen Harrington said she, was, she felt sick. Uh, she kept saying, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, oh my God. Lots of phrases like that. But Throughout it all, she could offer no explanation as regards what had happened to the child. And Karen Harrington even took the stand in her own defence, during which point she repeated that she did not murder Santina Cawley, but that she could offer no explanation or no answer as regards who was responsible responsible for the horrific injuries uh, sustained by the child. Ralph,
0: what lessons can be learned from this awful, awful, tragic case
1: I think inevitably there will be reviews of the circumstances of this by by every person involved, I think, by, by various state agencies or whatever. And they will look to see could things have been handled differently, might things have been different. But I don't think you can escape one of the central elements of this case is that, you know, Karen Harrington was a person who, by her own description, was very caring and very loving. The evidence that was given by two of her sisters the evidence that was given by several of her friends was that she was a very caring person. One of her friends, Yvonne Walsh, said that Karen Harrington was so caring that she was the only person that she would trust to mind her own children. And the question arises, how can someone who, by their own admission and by the admission of their friends, be capable of such a horrendous and horrific attack on a defenceless and innocent two-year-old child? And I think you have to look at the background, which is that here was a person who was drinking, who was using cannabis for m- several hours before this incident happened. There had been a very, very emotive row with her then boyfriend um, at 1.30 in the morning. She was in a very, very distressed condition when she went into the, the apartment. And she was behaving in what one of, her na- one of her neighbors had such a bizarre way that she creeped him out. And this was at a time when he was responsible for a two-year-old child. So I don't think you, you can talk about lessons that are, can be learned by the state, which I think is a good thing. There are always lessons that the state and various agencies can learn. But I don't think you can get away from the central part of this was that we all have a personal responsibility, not just for ourselves and for our own actions, but we live in a society where children are cherished and protected. And the onus is on every single one of us to behave in such a way as to protect those children.
0: my thanks there to irish independence southern correspondent ralph regal and if you've been affected by any of this content you can find a list of helplines at independent.ie forward slash helplines today's indo daily was presented and produced by myself researched by tabitha monahan Recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound design by Dara Kelly. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.